The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. So hi, my name is Ashley. I am the A Feminist Book Club content contributor, and I am joined today by Latoya Watkins, author of Parish. She has writing and literature spaces, including a public space, McSweeney's, and the Kenyon Review. Among other accomplishments, she is here to talk about her debut novel, Parish. Latoya, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about being here. Great. So my first question is, what is your definition of feminism? This is a good question. Um, I would say it's getting to live in a world or society with other people as your fullest um, self while being treated fair and equal. You get to do all of this without being oppressed or silenced or ignored. And um, moreover, your narrative matters and is counted and remembered and considered as the society moves forward and continues to grow. Thank you for your definition. And next is, what is Parish about? Parish is about a family um, and a family who has been met with um, a family that has been met with hardships and trials and tribulations and have tried to kind of cover those things up and move forward. Um, but before they can move forward, they have to go back and do some uncovering and discovering in order to heal. So the opening of the book is out, it's outstanding and it's thank you. It's it's a bit graphic, but in the most emotional way as possible that really brings us to one of the main characters. How did you write the opening and what details were important? I think the the opening Creating the setting was um, very important um, for that opening. Helen Jean um, introducing her in a way that softened her through the for the rest of the narrative because you don't get much of that um, from her was very important. So those details that almost um, as close to innocence as you get with Helen Jean was very important. And I wanted readers to actually be able to see her so that image could be etched in their minds as they move forward and see what the family 
becomes in her hands. So truths are prevalent as much as survival and a reckoning. What did you want this family to inherit? I wanted, I mean, I, I'm stumbling over this question because you gave my answer. Mm, <laughs> okay. Question, okay. Which is, is truth. I kind of wanted the family to, in a way, inherit the shedding of silence and the ability to walk in their own truths, each of them going forward um, uh, for all of their descendants. Instead of passing on the legacy of silence, I wanted them to be able to pass on this ability to speak. And how did you decide the names? There's Grandmoan, there's Pumpkin, Helen Jean, of course. How did you decide on the names? Names, titles, names, those are things that are really um, kind of difficult for me to um, come up with, but I don't have a character if they don't have a name. So what I like to do is I like, I do a lot of research, archival research. I look um, in, in all of those places that we go for research, um, but ancestry.com is something that I like to use for names um, because there are, you can, you run across some really great names and these um, have been actual, like real people. So um, I, I got a few of the names from blending names there. Um, Some names were names that I'd, I'd heard, I'd misheard um, as a child growing up because of pronunciation. So those were names that I just kept um, there as well, like grandma. Um, it was grandma, but it sounds like grandma because of the way that they, the, these people kind of say her name, the children kind of call her. Um, so it sounds like grandma. So I thought that was something that I would keep that would just be her name to her grandchildren. And as you also mentioned a title, how did Parrish arrive to this story? I think the title was probably one of the last things that um, arrived to the story. And it was after several, several drafts, I always had a working title, like, and there were several different working titles, but after seven several drafts, I um, went in and I sat and read it as a reader and with like an eye for kind of finding that title in in the right lines, in the right places. Um, And I ran across that line from that first chapter and I was like, hmm, I like that. Um, And that's how Parrish came. So there's multiple uh, points of view in the book. How did you keep the stories personal yet as a thread to the family? Those multiple um, perspectives or uh, perspectives or POVs, they were they were really fun to write because what the way that I wrote them was separate. So one person's story was written out completely without the other person's story. 
so there were a lot of things when adding those stories together that had to be not moved around, but taken away because everyone had a different um, way of seeing the events that unfolded in the novel. So I think they were created as their own, in their own stories, in their own worlds, but it, it was meant, I always meant to put them together and mold their individual stories into one. So that was, it was a good way to actually spend time with those characters as individuals and get to know them and how they would respond to their world and to each other before actually putting them on the page together. And as the family is coming together to bring Helen Jean to rest, what was also, just as we talked about what the characters inherit, what was important for them to have when they return home to this place called home? So what's important when they are coming to her or when they are leaving um, her? Well, let's say both. Okay. Um, when they are coming to her, I think the most important thing is that they just get there in some type of way, that they just arrive at this place that they all needed um, to be at in order to get the things that they needed to leave with, right? Because there is no guarantee. Some of them aren't supposed to be there. Some of them haven't been welcomed. Some of them don't, um, haven't considered coming back. So I think the most important thing is for them to get there. And she's the thing that they need to arrive for. And in leaving, when they leave, I think they all leave with the thing that, and I don't want to give too much away, but I think that they all leave with what they're supposed to leave with, which goes back to the first, my first answer, that first um, question. Um, They were all coming for an answer, for an okay, for, they were all coming for something. And I feel like no matter how hard it was to get to that thing, they got what they needed, even if they're not getting it from, directly from Helen Jean. So reading the book, I got excited because I saw uh, Bun B and Pimp C, who are artists from Houston. I mean, when you talk about people who represent their city, those gentlemen are in mind. What was it like writing about you know, having them in the story and then writing the setting of the story? I think it was very natural to do that. I am, I'm, I'm writing, you know, Texas and I'm from Texas. So um, my girlhood was uh, Bumby and Pimpsey. And I think in settings, even that are outside of Houston in Texas, there Bumby, especially even now, um, Bumby and Pimpsey are home, right? So to have them 
as the motivation in that chapter, what keeps uh, that character kind of moving and how they've been with him. He's only now considering like switching up the playlist, Um, but they've been with him is important because they are also very much part of this idea of home, no matter what side of town it's on, no matter what side of the state it's on. Um, Bumby and like writing them was, I was very excited to be able to find a space for them in the story. I long for books that aren't written. I'm from Los Angeles, but I have family in Houston and I long for books that aren't written in sort of the major cities like New York City, Los Angeles, Paris, and London, Um, but to really have books that are grounded in new places from people whose those regions are in their blood. It's that that was such a beautiful part of reading the story. And I think I I like that you said that. I think that that is um, very important to me. Like one of the ways in which I came to this story was doing I was I was in grad school and I was doing research on um, the great migration. And I didn't want to look at those major Mm -hmm. cities. I wanted to look at enslaved people who weren't, who didn't head to those major cities or who couldn't head to those major cities, but they still headed somewhere else. Um, So I looked at different parts of Texas. I looked at um, Oklahoma. I looked at Colorado. And I found in West Texas, like that a lot of, a lot of um, people who had been enslaved went there because there was no slavery in West Texas. Um, they It was largely inhabited by Native Americans. So they thought that they would be away from some of the major racial tension that was happening and the oppression. So I, I felt very passionate about writing migration, the effects of migration in this way um, about this place. So I'm glad that you said that. And as Parish is your debut, and you said that you were writing it in graduate school, what has this experience been seeing this book from your mind onto the page? It's been, it's been an incredible um journey because Parrish is, I know when I was writing it, sometimes it was, it was difficult to sit with some of the subject matter, to sit with some of the characters, to try and form them into people who were more like people uh, and not like villains or victims. So I couldn't, I don't think in the beginning, I couldn't imagine someone else wanting to read this work, a work that was so difficult for me to just get through or some of the sitting with some of the research. But now I realize the things that I knew or I know about the world, all of that stuff doesn't go in the book. So like a lot of the horror of it is still just with me. Mm -hmm. So it's been pretty incredible because I think that the story is important and 
I am so glad that people are going to be able to read Helen Jean and Alex and Julie B and Lydia and Ruby Nell and Marie because all of their stories are important and and I think that they teach us something about um, life and humanity and how we love and continue to choose that even when it's hard and even when we're broken. I'm so glad that you said all of their names. That is so important to speak their names from your being and for you to be the vessel to tell these tell these stories of this family and particularly the women. I think they were, and and I have a fascination um, with women and the the power that is often um, undermined and over overlooked. But the women have so much power in this world. Like you are creating the world. They are creating the world. Yes, they are put upon, but after they still get to make the decisions and they still get to carry the family. And I wanted, I wanted that to, I wanted that power to come through in this work. Yes. And as much as it is your story to tell, those characters inform you more than you ever could inform them because you're spending time with each other. They taught me so much (laughs) about life and motherhood and forgiveness. Um, I learned a lot more than I expected to learn. And I have changed a lot more than I expected to change um, with the writing of this book. So there is a mention of penny candy in the book. (laughs) What is your favorite penny candy? Um, I... Okay, so there was this um, woman we used to, there was only one woman in our neighborhood who sold the penny candy that I liked. I wasn't, as a girl, I didn't like chocolate things. Hmm. So like my cousins and my sisters would often get Tootsie Rolls because those were common, but I liked the ones that were the fruit. They were the fruity rolls, the tootie rolls or something like that. And um, my favorite was the pink one, which I think was strawberry or cherry or something like that. That was my favorite penny candy. Yes. And that wrapping. Yes. I, I immediately see the wrapping and just like the two different colors on it compared to the Tootsie Roll. Yeah. Tootsie Rolls were I, I still don't like Tootsie Rolls, but everybody had Tootsie Rolls. But I didn't like them. I didn't like anything that was I wasn't a chocolate fan. So as we begin to close the conversation, is there anything else you would like to share about the novel or your experience writing the novel? I think um, one of the things that uh, like I'm not promoting Texas tourism or anything, mm-hmm. but one of the things that I found most fascinating while researching um, and visiting these small towns was that it was like, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful experience. And I'm from Texas, but I hadn't traveled outside of like going to where I needed to go, like making like these short trips. Like I need to go to Houston. I need to go to Austin. I need to go, you know, to West Texas, but actually taking a few weeks to make stops in these small towns and visit their convenience stores and sit in some of their 
motels. Um, it was fascinating and it was beautiful. And I enjoyed um, it a lot more. Like I never knew that it could be like this plains area where you really have tumbleweeds and it looks dry. I never imagined that you could pull over and just sit and be in awe of how um, clear the sky is at night, of how many stars you can count, the sounds, the insects, the the animals, even the snakes. Um, it It's just a, if, if you're ever able to take that type of road trip just across the big state of Texas, it's, um, it's a learning experience, but it's also um, an enjoyable one, beautiful. My last questions for you are what bookstore or bookstores would you like our audience to buy Parish from? And what organization or pl- platform would you like to amplify? Um, the bookstores, I think one of the bookstores that I um, do want to um, amplify is a Black-owned bookstore in Houston. It's Kindred um, Bookstore. Um, I know they will have Parish. There are bookstores, any Black-owned bookstore uh, visit, and if they carry Parish, buy it um, there. Also, there are some local bookstores, bookstores local to me, Wild Detectives, Deep Vellum Books, Interabang Books, and any other place that books are sold. An organization that I would like to amplify or send to, can I do two? A gratitude right now. McDowell allowed me to come. I did several drafts of my book there um, at, at, at with writing residencies and Hedgebrook also nourished and uh, took care of me and are doing some amazing things for um, women and non-binary writers right now. So those are two um, institutions or organizations that I would like to kind of lift up right now. And the Dallas Literary Festival out of SMU, which uh, the director, Sandria Fay uh, has been putting together, She's, who's a Black woman, was excellent this year and fabulous. And I just want to um, kind of lift her up as well. Thank you for lifting up those bookstores and organizations. And thank you, Latoya Watkins, for joining us to talk about Parish. Right. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. A well-read woman is a dead-